Hello. Welcome to the legend of Robin Hood of Sherwood. Chapter 8. Trickery Rules Roger the Cruel's back and rear end had slowly healed. Within a couple of weeks of his humiliating exit from Sherwood, he was back at the dinner table at Evil Hold, finally able to sit down again. He badgered Isambard de Balaam constantly about Robin Hood and his treachery. Isambard de Balaam wasn't too bothered about Roger's painful bottom, but he was still a bit miffed that he hadn't managed to bring the lovely Marion to his castle and marry her. Despite the fact that his original bargain with the abbot was null and void because Sir Guy had failed, Isambard decided he had done his part and he wanted his prize. He sent for Abbot Hugo. I wish to get married before the harvest. It's time for you to get my bride as you promised. But we tried, answered the abbot puzzled. Sir Guy was sent packing by that renegade Robin Hood. Yep, but I supplied men as I promised and now I want my payback. It seems that you are not an honourable priest. If that's so, then our friendship is at an end and you will have my protection no longer, said Isambard, standing up. I bid you good day. Now, let's not be hasty, said the abbot greasily. After all, Marion cannot be a maid all her life. She needs a good husband. And who could be better than you? I will send Sir Guy of Gisborne and a dozen good men to Lord Fitwalter's castle at Kirkley's tomorrow to fetch her. Her father may put up some resistance, but he cannot stand up to the power of your good self, Sir Guy, and the Sheriff of Nottingham. When Sir Guy of Gisborne was told of his new mission, he grinned from ear to ear, and possibly further. At last he had another chance to poke Robin Hood firmly in the eye by taking his love to be married to another man, and a pretty gruesome man too. He almost ran to his castle and informed his men of their task. As usual though, Robin's spies were everywhere. A beggar overheard the planning and quickly made his way to Sherwood, where he called out for Robin Hood. Robin's men were all over Sherwood patrolling for corrupt lords and priests. Before long, one of the merry men came upon the beggar. He was brought to Will Scarlet, who was in charge of the patrollers that day. Will took the worrying news to Robin. Sir Guy can't be allowed to get Marion to evil hold, said Robin to Will. Once she's there, she will never escape. We will ambush him. Gather up forty men and get them to dress in the armour we stole from Guy last time he visited us. We're too late to stop him getting to Kirkley's, but we can certainly take him on his way back. Will nodded and grinned. An hour or two later, forty-one men dressed in armour and Lincoln green, a large monk in traditional habit, and one bowman dressed in fine scarlet, set themselves up in a thicket outside the town of Worksop. Robin's spies had told him what route the Marion stealing party would take, and he made sure his merry men were located in the most advantageous ambushing position. Their green allowed them to blend in with the lush vegetation in the thicket. Will Scarlet was told to crouch down well out of sight. They had to wait a couple of hours, but sure enough, a troop of armed men were spotted in the distance. Sir Guy himself, it seems, was in no mood to take chances. He was about as heavily armoured as a knight can be. He also had an impressive array of weapons, including a massive broadsword, a lance and a powerful looking bow. He was clearly expecting to be ambushed. Robin's men were well hidden, even Will Scarlet, but Guy seemed to know where they would be. Maybe there was a double agent in play. Whatever the reason, he shouted out to his brave troop. The sheriff has put a bounty on the head of the traitor Robin of Loxley. Capture him alive and you will receive 50 gold marks. Twenty will be given for the infiltrator John Little, the renegade monk brother Michael and that comedian Scarlet. 
As soon as he heard these words, Robin emerged from the thicket. Guy of Gisborne, hand over the Lady Marion so we can escort her back to Kirklees, and my men will do you no harm. We have no quarrel with you today. You're doing the abbot's and Sir Isambard's dirty work. Deliver her to me now, and go in peace. Just for a moment, Sir Guy of Gisborne seemed tempted. A brief glimmer of indecision crossed his heavily visored face. Maybe, just maybe, there was a tiny bit of humanity left in the man. It didn't last long, though. There he is! Robin Hood, seize him! Robin had already loosed an arrow before the two leading men had time to react. As they began to charge towards him, the projectile entered the brain of the leading horse, which reacted by dropping dead to the ground with a minimum of fuss. Its rider was catapulted into the air and hit the floor with a thud. Meanwhile, the second horse was sent flying as it crashed into its recently deceased colleague. Its rider was pitched off to the side, and the horse landed, with a far louder thud, on the prone form of the rider of the dead horse. In the confusion, Robin and a few of his men approached Guy and his party. Robin shouted over to Marion. What he said has been lost in the mists of legend, but his intent was clear. He expertly threw a fine bow and a quiver of arrows to Marion, who caught them with ease. Dear Lord, must I always be thwarted by this rascally hound, exclaimed Guy to nobody in particular. Or is it just the incompetence of these men, he lamented. The knight drew his sword. As he did so, Robin blew on his bugle. Will Scarlet, grinning as usual, led the rest of the men from the thicket. Robin drew his sword. Get down, man. Let's have it out, here and now. Sir Guy of Gisborne may have been desperate to capture Robin and fearful of failing in his mission to bring Marion to evil hold. He was, though, far from stupid. He saw that most of his men had already been disarmed by Will and his band. He spurred his horse and made to escape. He'd only got a short distance away when the spurring of his horse ceased to have any further effect. Guy fleetingly wondered why it had suddenly become so disobedient. He soon realised that far from being stubborn, his mount was suffering from an acute case of death. An arrow protruded from its flank. It fell heavily and Guy was sent sprawling in his heavy armour. He hadn't had time to get up when Robin Hood reached him. Meanwhile, Marion lowered her bow and smiled to herself. She hadn't lost her touch, she was pleased to see. Hitting a horse with a fatal blow from that distance was no mean feat. The fallen knight groaned. This is a poor sort of escort, said Robin. You appear to have left a maid in distress at the mercy of a band of savage outlaws. Abbot Hugo is not going to be pleased. You're a mocker and a thief, Loxley. One day you'll get yours, and I hope I'm around to see it. If I still had my sword, you would mock me no more. Robin handed Sir Guy his sword. Your men are all disarmed. You and I will fight here and now. If you win, you can go free. You have my word. Both men went about their savage work with a will and drive to win. For ten minutes, Guy seemed to be on top. He swung with an accuracy and violence which Robin had not encountered before. The Lord of Sherwood, though, was simply too quick. Every lusty blow was parried or dodged. Guy realised that Robin was playing with him. Has the abbot really no better swordsman than you? mocked Robin as he danced round while Guy redoubled his efforts. Unfortunately for the Norman, Robin had had enough. With a deft move so elegant that many of the men failed to see how it was done, Robin Hood flicked Guy's huge broadsword out of his hands and sent it flying into the thicket. Now, steward, what shall we do with you? 
I already have one suit of your armour. Am I in line for another? Oh, stop it. Mock me no more. Just kill me and get it over with. Sir Guy of Gisborne may have been an evil man, but it seems he was brave with it. He uttered these words with not a hint of a tremor in his voice. Today is not a day for killing, replied Robin. Get gone from here and go back to the abbot. Tell him that Maid Marian is safely on her way back to Kirklees. Tell him that while I live, she will not be forced to marry against her will. Tell him that if Sir Isambard tries to press his claim any further, I will come to evil hold and I will burn it to the ground. Robin turned to Little John. John, turn these men loose. Tie each man's hand behind his back so he can't help his colleagues. Tie Guy's hands too and put him on a horse. Once this was done, Robin spoke to Guy of Gisborne once more. Next time I will not treat you so well, he said seriously. Then he gave the command and Guy and his men went on their way, not without some difficulty. Once the men had disappeared into the distance, Robin walked over to Marion's horse. Tenderly and carefully he lifted her from it and held her close. After a long time he slowly released her from his arms. You haven't lost your touch, my dear, he said with a broad smile. That was an arrow as good as any loosed by Mr Scarlet himself. Marion smiled. Well, I had a good teacher. Robin's face became serious. Much as I could stay with you here for ever, my love, we must get you back to Kirklees. I don't think the abbot would be silly enough to try again. Marion nodded and the party made their way back to Lord Fitzwalter's castle. It was late in the evening when they arrived. After a long, bittersweet kiss, Marion left Robin's side and returned to her father's home. If Robin Hood, Maid Marion and Lord Fitzwalter thought they were home and dry though, they were sorely mistaken. At the crack of dawn the following day, Kirkley's castle was treated to the sound of a loud trumpet blast. The Lord of the Manor woke with a start and gazed out of the window. He was most displeased to see a large body of armed men drawn up on the far side of the moat. He gulped when he heard the cries to open his drawbridge. What do you want? the partially clothed nobleman called down to the unwanted visitors. Be warned, came the reply. Sir Guy of Gisborne lies sorely wounded by an arrow shot, if all is to be believed, by the maid of this castle. The Sheriff of Nottingham has put up fifty gold marks for the capture of Robin of Loxley and your daughter is one of his supporters. If reports are to be believed, it was she who shot Sir Guy. Give her to us now or you will feel the wrath of Prince John himself. Don't try to defy us. Don't even think about it. None of it was true, of course. Sir Guy hadn't been hit by an arrow at all. But that didn't matter. The men were deadly serious. If Prince John wants to challenge me, then let him come here himself, shouted Lord Fitzwalter, clearly playing for time while he thought about what to do next. You may be men working for the vile outlaw Robin Hood come to trick me. How dare you use the sheriff's name and that of our beloved Prince John, brother of good King Richard, in vain. This is a silly story and I won't believe it. The men realised they didn't really have an answer to this and so they debated amongst themselves for a few minutes. Then, deciding that none of them had a brain big enough to come up with a clever reply, they retreated. Prince John was due in Nottingham the following day and they didn't want to make a mistake. Deciding that cowardice was the better pass of valour, they skulked back to the city and waited for new orders. Lord Fitzwalter watched them go. Then he simultaneously breathed a sigh of relief and angrily summoned his wayward daughter. Somebody was going to be in a lot of trouble. 
But Marion was too clever, and Lord Fitzwalter too much of a doting father. Much as he blustered, she was always going to have the upper hand. Marion, what's the meaning of this? I forbid you to leave the castle ever again. You've brought shame on me, and your own life is in terrible danger. You can't keep me here, father. I will escape. No, get up into the rooms hidden at the top of the tallest turret. Nobody will be able to rescue you from there. You will be safe, and you won't be able to get into any more trouble. Father, dear father, replied Marion softly, Prince John will not rest until he's dragged me from this castle. Sir Isambard is his most powerful supporter in Nottinghamshire, probably more powerful than any in Lincoln, York, Leicester, or any of the other surrounding boroughs. He will be in Nottingham tomorrow. He will send more men, and you will not be able to protect me. They will take me, and they will kill you. Sir Guy has been humiliated by my love, the great Robin of Loxley, too many times. You can't withstand Prince John. Think of all the power he has. Our beloved King Richard is lost, probably languishing in some foreign jail. Until he's released and returns to rule over our land with wisdom and compassion, Prince John is our master. He'll sack your castle and he'll murder your faithful people. The only way this castle can be saved is by trickery. Fortunately, I have a plan. Does that plan mean you can stay here with me? asked Lord Fitzwalter, already knowing the answer. No, father. I must go to Sherwood and seek the protection of Robin Hood. But I can save you. You must pretend to all you have shut me in the highest turret. You have boarded up the doors and turned it into a prison for your treacherous daughter. If I escape from your custody, you will not be to blame. No one will dare take your home, your livestock or your lands. Lord Fitzwalter opened his mouth to argue, but then he realised there was no argument. His brave daughter was right. OK, we'll play the trick and you can run to Robin. Maybe one day I can see you married, but that day we'll surely have to wait until King Richard returns. So Marion left Kirklees and fled to Sherwood. A few hours later, Prince John himself rode up to the moat. With him were Sir Isambard de Balaam, the Sheriff of Nottingham and Sir Guy of Gisborne. Oh, and a small army of armed men. Lord Fitzwalter did his best to play his part. My most exalted visitors, he snivelled. What can I do for you? The Sheriff waved away his grovelling and demanded that Marion be brought to him. Lord Fitzwalter nodded. With acting skills at least the equal of Marlon Brando, he professed utter astonishment at the absence of his daughter. After all, he'd locked her in the highest turret. There was no means of escape. He castigated himself for their inattention and begged forgiveness from the royal party. He probably went a bit too far, but his protestations were accepted at face value by Prince John and his senior colleagues. In fact, Lord Fitzwalter did such a good job that Prince John lent him 50 men to go hunting for Marion. The Lord of Kirklees accepted willingly and dispatched his new followers to the wrong side of Sherwood. Marion, meanwhile, made her way to Robber's Glade. There she was met by Robin of Loxley, her first and only love. Together they walked into the clearing and Robin declared that she was the Queen of Sherwood. Will Scarlet urged Friar Tuck to marry them there and then, but the couple refused. They would be married, they said, when, and only when, the great King Richard had returned from the east and ruled once more. So, from that day, the Merry Men actually were the Merry Men and a woman, but there was no marriage. King Richard would return, they told themselves, and when he did, Robin and Marion could celebrate their wedding. Not yet, though. There were still a lot more people to help. 
and a lot more corrupt churchmen and noblemen to rob. Next time, Robin will encounter yet another knight. This one, though, will elicit a lot more compassion from him than any he's met before. So, until then, have a great couple of weeks, and I'll speak to you next time.